Welcome to Building and Protecting Your Business Worth podcast. This podcast is about sharing strategies and ideas to help business owners build, protect, and transition their businesses for the future while creating more balance in their life. Your host is Thomas J. Perrone, CLU, CIC, and president of the New England Consulting Group of Guilford Incorporated, consulting business owners for over 50 years. Welcome to Building and Protecting Your Business Worth. Hi, I'm Tom Perrone, and I'm your host. And this podcast is all about learning strategies to build your business, to create greater profit, but to create also an abundance of leisure time so you can enjoy what you're building. Today, we have a wonderful guest, and I would like to introduce to you Mr. Carl Bonamico, welcome to the Building and Protecting Your Business Worth podcast, Carl. It's nice to have you here. It's great to be here, Tom. Looking forward to speaking to you. Well, uh, yeah, I've been waiting for this for a long time because we're probably going to talk a lot about what's going on in the banking industry, which has been, wow, really rocketed this year because of COVID-19. But before I get into that, I want the people listening to know a little bit about you, Carl, because you have an extensive history. Well, first of all, Carl is the vice president at Liberty Bank, and he's responsible for strategy, development, distribution of commercial and consumer development in Wallingford and the greater New Haven area. And he oversees all the aspects of Liberty Banks in the Wallingford area of the commercial and the consumer lending and deposit accounts. Now, Carl has been around a long time, not as long as I have, but he's been around a while. And he served as regional manager of consumer and commercial services at New Haven Savings Bank, where he joined in 1986. A wonderful bank, huh, Carl? It's a wonderful bank. Yeah, wasn't it? It was great. But, you know, he worked... He served as a partner to the business uh, enduring alignment with New, New uh, Haven Savings Bank strategy, providing leadership across the various business in initiatives, business development, and coaching market staff, and facilitating the strategic planning process. That's a lot of words to say you were very busy, Carl. You know, yeah. Tommy, at... Uh Excuse me. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, man, interject. Yeah, certainly. Certainly. Yeah. So, so before, before I began at New Haven Savings Bank in 1986, I, I uh, worked at Travelers Insurance Company for about four years. And, uh, but really what I, what I really wanted to do is be out there in the field and really talk to uh, consumers and have FaceTime with business owners. So yeah, that opportunity back in 1986, as you can imagine, things have changed over the last few decades, but uh, I spent a lot of quality time back in, in New Haven Savings Bank in the eighties and nineties. I can, uh, because Carl and I do a lot of, uh, and we collaborate a lot on things. I can tell you, Carl's not your normal commercial loan guy. He's out there and he's very personable and easy to deal with. And uh, so anyways, Carl's got an extensive background in banking and he knows what he's doing uh, and we enjoy collaborating with him. Um, So today, Carl, I know there's a lot we have to cover, but just give us a little background how you got started in banking. Well, thank you, Tom. Uh, you know, I started banking uh, primarily. The motivation was 
at Travis Insurance uh, Company, which I had a, a wonderful uh, pleasure working for and with a lot of great folks, it was really more of a analytical, a lot of statistical information and a lot of cr- a number crunching, but didn't really have um, face-to-face with many people. It was a, more of a cubicle environment back in those days. And my intention was to try to find something that I can use some of my I, uh, economics, mathematical uh, passion that I had, but also engage with people, uh, people and communities, um, and also business owners. So what I did is I, I got an interview in 1986 to work for New Haven Savings Bank, and they put me through an 18-month program as a management trainee. And through this 18-month tenure, they allowed all of our folks, all the trainee candidates, to be part of and working certain in different divisions, everything from marketing, auditing, compliance, commercial department, consumer department, and the one that I really had passion for and that really resonated for me was the consumer banking. And that meant working out there in the community, uh, whether it be opening accounts, um, establishing a mortgage relationship, helping people get financing for homes. That really stuck with me and, and, and really resonated with me and I got excited about it. And in that in that regard, I stayed in that field for a very long time. Well, generally uh, it's been now 30, you know, about 36 years. Um, and it's something that I love because you're able to really get very granular in terms of monies and in how much you need and uh, the different calculations, um, which you can imagine um, it revolves around money and people's finances, but also engaging with people and really helping them and connecting with them as people and really guiding them. And it requires a lot of communication and a lot of um, compassion. Uh, so yeah, uh, that's th- something I love and I continue to do. And with my role at New Haven Savings Bank was not only in the retail area, but I got to uh, experience a little executive uh, experience at the at the uh, senior regional management level, and also I became um, a director of the entire sales program at New Haven Savings Bank uh, um, for about a year and a half until uh, you know uh, there was a merger and acquisition with New Alliance Bank, and and at that point I thought it was time for me to try something different with a different company, and that's how I arrived at Liberty Bank in 2002, in which uh, I continue to be in the role of consumer banking and commercial banking out there working in the communities um, and really developing those kind of relationships, which I continue to do today. Yeah, I mean, you are out there. um, uh, And yes, over the years, seeing all these bank changes and emerging. But um, so I do have a question for you. Um, If you had to pinpoint what were the things that you did to get to this stage of success? What, what would they be? And if you can relate them to the small business owner or professional, because this is what this show is all about, uh, exchanging ideas and strategies to get us to grow and build and protect. So what, what would those be in your situation? You know, uh, Tom, I think it's really important when you talk to business owners and consumers alike, um, if I had to pinpoint, is really engaging and having a rapport and a great relationship um, with those people that you serve is really listening and, and really having a passion 
for helping people. I think if you're you have great sincerity, uh, you know, and, and you're able to make that connection with people. Uh, and when I say people, we're talking about you know folks that are on the residential uh, private uh, private side, but also business owners to really listen to their story, having the compassion, the patience of one to know how. Uh, they became successful, what challenges they have, and to create those kind of solutions in a way that folks can really understand it and implement it in their own lives. So uh, as I think back, I think I'm, you know, I love to listen to people. I love to help people. Uh, People always are going to ask you, you know, to try to provide a strategy and, uh, and implement a strategy to try to help them from a financial services background, but what really they want is a human being, uh, somebody out there that can really connect with them and share their story. Um, and when I, when I, as I continue to do that over the years and having so many stories and so many chapters um, and, uh, of those stories, I was able to share my experiences and, and say to folks, listen, I, 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 I share your story. I see what you're, you're, there's some of the challenges that you're having, and I've come across this with somebody else. And this is what I suggest and this is what I recommend. I think if you come across in a very empathetic, sincere fashion, I think you're going to connect connect really well. And that's how you have maintained wonderful long-term relationships with people. I think that that has been my strength. Uh, It's it's not necessarily about, you know, uh, putting them in a a box. It's really about listening to the people's stories, having compassion, and having a passion to follow through. So let me ask you this, Carl, um, that banking industry, along with many others, have gone through a lot of changes. And uh, so what do you think the challenges um, that might be ahead of uh, in the future in your industry? Well, I think uh, clearly what's happening today uh, the the organic traffic coming in the doors uh, where we where banks today can really have uh, zero option really uh, but to really adapt to the technological shift that's going on not only today but it's been happening for the last five years primarily you've got a lot of fintech uh, the fin, uh, fintech uh, space out there uh, folks like uh, lending tree um, that can do everything ally bank. You've got a, a, a demographic shift that has an appetite to want to do things fast, quick, easy, uh, and remotely. So banks are now reinventing themselves. It's a non-negotiable to have a technology center, and they have to be well-equipped to serve not only folks who love coming in the doors and the bricks and mortars of branches to meet someone like myself and, and having a relationship, but also having the tools uh, from an online perspective, from a technology perspective, where they can move at lightning speed and, and get decisions faster. And um, those are some of the things that are happening in banking. And I think bank bankers right now are fast forwarding and really accelerating the pace in terms of digital banking. That yeah. is the future. And that has, that, as I said, as I said before, it's a non-negotiable in order to compete with the fintech firms that are beginning to um, really establish themselves on this, on the internet space. What? Well, you know, that's a good uh, a follow-up question to that would basically be, uh, what worries you about your industry? 
in the future? What worries me is the generation, uh, this generation that's the, particularly the millennial generation, which are becoming much, uh, certain aging and becoming much more established as, as a, a customer base. Um, by that, I mean they're acquiring homes, they're acquiring assets, financial assets. How do we make that reach? How do we go out there and make a connection and a reach where it's cemented? One of our strengths has always been to be able to connect pe- with people, have, have that connection at infancy, well through college, once they've gotten married, and once, once they've accumulated assets. So how do you make that connection when this particular generation uh, has much more receptivity towards technological devices and don't necessarily have the motivation to want to come in in, in, the, in the branches. So my fear, what keeps me up late at night, how do we garner, how do we capture those future relationships when that this generation would prefer to do their banking through uh, the digital connection rather than the uh, brick and mortar of coming to a bank and meeting somebody and getting to know them and making a, a lifelong connection. So that's going to be a, a very interesting balance between the two. Yeah, I mean, uh, from what you said before, though, uh, that challenge also lies to me in a lot of uh, optimism for the future because it's forcing you to be have an online presence where maybe 10 years ago it wasn't that important or longer, you know? Uh, that, that's, that's an excellent point, Tom. I think a lot of banks, what they've done, uh, not a lot of banks, I would say if you're, if you're not doing this as a bank as in the United States, um, you'll, you'll, you'll cease to exist. I think what they've done is put their investment in technology into overdrive. Uh, just recently, we hired a head of digital uh, technology at, at, at this company. Uh, now, many, ex- many chief executives have begun to hire executive level, uh, level digital technology divisions in their banks. They're putting a lot more investment in uh, digital presence. Um, the, um, having a website is not enough. Uh, it's really having a social media pa- uh, page in each uh, with, with banks that can connect uh, with all demographic groups and all generational groups uh, to be viable. You know, I, I, I have two or three questions that I want to stay on this topic, but then I want to get into the express loan that uh, Liberty has, which I know about, and the PP loans and, and rates in the future. But before I do that, Carl, um, here's I have to ask you uh, two questions because you have the inside scoop. Uh, with banks changing all the time, uh, I'm sure over the years you've seen employees come and go. And what are banks doing today to keep employees longer term? Is there anything in particular to keep? Because a lot of our uh, listeners are business owners, and that's always a challenge. How do I keep these good people like Carl Bonamico here at this bank without going to some place? How are they doing that? That's a great question, Tom. Uh, I, th- I think I think at the highest level, all institution banking and institutions, in order to retain talented employees, you uh, there has to be a transparency about the company and an upward mobility track, uh, career track that has to be expressed to them. 
Um, what we found with this particular, with the generation that's before us, is they, they want to be continuously stimulated with challenges. Um, the days of one person staying in one dimensional positions are a thing of the past. And I think what, what young people want today is to be constantly stimulated in terms of a career track and challenges. Uh, so companies are becoming much more uh, transparent in terms of a career track. Uh, and, and frankly, from a technological standpoint, the the pace of banking has become so far more accelerated than it was only five years ago. So um, it, it, they're they're presenting some some wonderful career opportunity. They're uh, enhancing their um, ancillary uh, incentive packages uh, for employees uh, in, in terms of retention. But I think it's a really about transparency. It's letting them know, hey, listen, this 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 is a this is a career track for you. Where before. Um, you know, uh, it wasn't necessarily transparent. Uh, you can go now in all banks in your in, internally in your own internet space and look at positions, find out exactly what the compensation scales are, what what the required educational levels are, and what you have to do in order to get there. It wasn't as transparent years ago. You would have to find out through, you know, speaking with someone or through uh, through. Uh, whispers uh, are just instinct. Uh, today, organization have to, organizations have to be transparent, have to divulge, inform, uh, divulge the career tracks and, and some of the quali- uh, qualifications and criteria to get to that destination. Uh, so, know, so I think that, that's what we've done. Yeah, you know, you're saying that, and I, I would say the last two shows I did, I asked that question, and I've got exactly number one was transparency. And, you know, I've always said that with our business owners because I always ask our business owners to work with their other advisors to let them know this is what problems are. What do you see? And, uh, you know, we get much more quality out of those meetings and much more quality out of our work because of the transparency. Um, You know, it's the old saying that, you know, our parents never told us about their financial situation. Well, it's, it's the same thing with employers years ago, you know. Um, so this question is really about uh, what, as a, a, you're a very successful commercial banker. And I, I see things in you uh, that maybe you don't see in yourself, maybe you do. But I would ask you, what are your key strategies or value drivers which have really helped you to grow your business. So Carl, if you were a business owner and you looked at your success over the years, what are those couple of things that really drove the value? Yes, Tom, that's a, that's a great question. I would I would say over the last um, over the last 25 years what I've done that I think has been an integral part of my success would be making collaborative relationships Speaking of folks who have similar values, who have similar challenges and concerns and similar goals, and cr- that cross-pollination of ideas and strategies um, has been a, a foundation of my success. Uh, talking to whether it be a, a professional uh, like a, an ortho- orthopedic or a manufacturer, really finding out about their stories, their, challenge, their daily, quarterly, annual challenges for running their business, making those sort of uh, you know, network uh, network um, relationships 
has helped me understand all across across uh, the whole industry uh, everyone's challenges, and I think that sort of that spreading that that uh, communication and, and relationships has allowed me to get that reciprocation from some of my uh, net, many of my network uh, partners. So I would say it, it's been clearly the the collaborative uh, relationship that I've garnered and and acquired over the last few years. Yeah, that's um, again when I asked that question, uh, collaboration relationships surface to the uh, to the top right away. And um, this is the last question I have on this topic about building the business. But uh, what are the key issues in your in the banking world that you really have to stay up on? Uh, great question, Tom. I think uh, you have to really understand, you have a, have a strong understanding of interest rates directionally. What is going on um, from a helicopter, from an aerial view about the economy? I think that's key because that's very applicable to what's going on in our communities and um, that, that we live and work in. Um, I think also from a compliance standpoint, the government is becoming much more, pro, uh, the federal government is becoming much more proactive to make sure that the, the economic engine um, is running smoothly in the forward direction. So I think from a, uh, an aerial view, from a national view, I think it's important to understand what the federal government's role is in um, working in tandem with businesses and, and consumers alike uh, throughout the country. And thirdly, I think, uh, you know, I, I think what's essential today is also having that passion, having that passion to, 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 to what got you here and really transmitting that passion and letting people know that you really care. And um, that's, that's, that's equally important. Um, but clearly right now, I think the, the, the role of the government has been much more crucial as we witnessed recently with the PPP program. This has been a, a tremendous um, short-term lending vehicle for a lot of employers and frankly has been a lifeline um, uh, for them. I, I talk to people every day, uh, you know, pe uh, business owners that have five employees up to 50 employees and basically said to me, this has been a life jacket for me. Without this PPP and, and this injection from the federal government, uh, my, my business would not exist today. So I can't tell you how many stories and how many stories I can share with you today um, that can really exhibit the, the, the reason um, the federal government um, has put this program and deployed this program, and it's been really essential. Uh, Carl, as we're talking about it, I, I'm sure most of our listeners are aware of it. Maybe not everybody took advantage of it. So can you tell us where we are with the PPP loans as far as what, and briefly what they were and now where are we with now that they've been dispersed? What's the payback program, that kind of thing? Can you give us kind of a summary of that? Sure. Generally, the PPP covers uh, the PP. Uh, the intent of the PPP is to give you a short-term assistance um, uh, to, to help you continue to sustain your business. Um, this PPP capital injection from the government covers payroll costs, covered uh, family, medical, sick leave. Um, it, it's an injection for the business to continue to pay your employees so you stay alive and sustain your business until you can get back and in, in our economy can recover again. So this was a 
depending on, on your annual revenue pre-crisis, pre-COVID crisis, um, there's, a, there's a, a computation, there's a calculation in which the government, would, uh, the SBA program, which by the way, did a, an amazing job. Um, if, if you can imagine, the, uh, they, they, they proved well over uh, 500,000 applications in, in a, such a short term period, more than they've done in the past four, uh, 15 years. But going back to the PVP, it's a capital injection that they gave to business owners to try to sustain their business until um, there is a, a recovery and uh, until the, uh, the, uh, the economy opened up again so they can get back to what they do best. Uh, there is a forgiveness uh, calculation. This, this program, uh, the forgiveness application is allows you to have this, uh, whatever funds you may have received, uh, it, it gives you uh, basically a completely forgivable uh, clause. There's 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 a few form there's a few forms which it's listed on our website and I'm sure on many all of the bank's website where it gets it, it really wants to have uh, validation of how you use these funds and if you use those funds in according to how you receive the funds from the uh, PPP Payment Protection Program, you all of those all those monies will be forgiven. But however, if they were not applied as uh, as the SBA suggested, they can be also extended for another two years at a very low interest rate. So again, this is capital injection from the government in it with a forgiveness uh, element. But also, if you don't uh, have the criteria for the forgiveness element, this then becomes a loan, but a, at a very very low interest rate. What was that rate like one percent, Carlson? One percent. That's correct. Wow. That's correct. Wow. That, that's incredible, isn't it? Um, I was talking to a business sure. owner who uh, borrowed a half a million dollars, and I said, even if you don't pay it back in a year, which it's going to cost you five thousand dollars, well, that's nothing. That's right. uh, so interesting. Now, Carl, where do you think rates are going? Let's say in the next year or two. That's a great question. Um, I believe uh, we're in an accommodative stance. This is another way of saying, listen, I think the federal government is not going to um, really intrude to what's going on. We're in a uh, prime rate today is three and a quarter percent. The Fed funds rate zero percent. They they completely understand that, um, you know, before the COVID crisis, we we're at three percent unemployment rate. Uh, you know, the unemployment rate now is hovering anywhere between nine and 11 percent. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty here. I think you're going to see more federal stimulus. Um, obviously, we've got the election coming up. There's there's a lot of debate on how this bill should look, but I think you'll see more stimulus. And in terms of rates, let's, when when government keeps rates low, it's in an effort to want to stimulate the economy and get back the uh, motivate consumers to continue to buy because let's face it, GDP consumption represents 75% of the economy. So they want to psychologically uh, have consumers continue to spend. And the way you do that primarily is to have extremely low interest rates. And I think uh, you'll see low interest rates um, in these levels probably for another, in my opinion, in another th uh, for another three years. So you have long-term rates, which are uh, primarily associated with mortgage financing, commercial building financing at a, a very low all-time low uh, levels, they'll continue to be for the next three years. 
once the Fed, no matter what what the White House may look like, once the federal government feels that the economy starts to get back to its um, historical track of starting to boom, because their mandate is to keep inflation low, what, you'll see some tinkering of increasing rates, but only a smidgen of maybe a quarter percent with every hike, which they should do, should do because it's responsible to do that. But that's only once they feel the economy is back on its foundation foundational um, track. Uh, but I think to answer your question, I think uh, low rates are going to stay with us for another three years. Thank you, Carl. I, uh, I, I agree with you. And I, I'm seeing where I live, I'm seeing a lot of uh, add-ons to these big houses and buildings. And uh, it's obviously the product of low interest rate environment. Um, Carl, this is one of my favorite topics, maybe when maybe yours too. And I want to talk about the express loan because in all the years I've been a business planner for business owners, I've never seen a, a program like this before. So I'd like you to introduce that this program and discuss it with us. So the express program um, began uh, two years ago. The express program is a very streamlined um, application process for business owners to get working capitals for their businesses. And what we wanted to do, we wanted to um, uh, distribute uh, and uh, a, a lending tool for businesses where it wouldn't be such a huge mountainous of, of paperwork and documentation uh, so, uh, so we decided to streamline a process called the Express. Express is a one-page application where ask the business some general questions about their annual revenue, their personal information, and through an algorithm that we've developed based primarily the criteria based on their credit history, how long their business has been uh, in existence, uh, they can apply anywhere from $10,000 to $150,000 and generally speaking, get an answer within four hours um, and without any financial support, meaning financial required information based on their own data that they complete the app. The intention was to for speed, seamless, um, and getting, uh, getting them a, a working capital line in their business, which means um, that they can use that, those funds to inject money, whether it be for payroll, for equipment, uh, for marketing costs, uh, for social media enhancements, whatever they wish. And it's based on an equation that we use based on uh, a calculation based on our annual gross revenue. This has been a game changer uh, because business owners want something fast. They need something immediate. And um, the, the, historically, the conventional process can take about 10 to 14 days, and we reduce this in terms of decisions within the same day decision. And this has been a, truly a game changer for businesses. A low interest rates and, and, and a working capital line, again, with the primary um, motive is to help their business own, help their business and having that availability and that versatility of using their capital uh, and those monies for whatever purposes they may have. And this, as I said, uh, for many who had this capital, um, this working line, uh, capital line for their businesses and Express, it's been around for two years. They, I've heard from many business owners that said, Carl, 
This has been a life jacket, a lifesaver for me, because not only did I get the PPP, but I had a working capital line for my business that I was able to use. And I, and I got to tell you, I, I, you know, there, there was a lot of anxiety during the last four or five months, and they used this money to temporarily uh, inject into their business. And then once they got back into that momentum in their business, they were able to pay it back. Again, the beauty of the line of credit in this express is that if you if you can only afford interest only, you pay a very low interest payment. And then when as you get funds from your uh, from from your uh, jobs and you start to get paid by your by your clients, you could pay extra money to principal, which is extremely flexible. It's a wonderful revolving line for your business. Well, you know, I have uh, referred many of my business clients to you, but one particular case uh, that I'll share with the audience is I went in to get my car taken care of, and I know the owner of the establishment, and I mentioned, you know, you should look talk to Carl about this. Well, he did go to you, and he got maximum because he said to me, I've been planning on putting an addition on my garage here, and that's when I brought up your name. And guess what? That was about four weeks before COVID hit, that we knew anything about COVID. So it was like in February. And I saw him the other day and he said, Tom, thanks so much. He said, because our business slowed down momentarily for a while and we wouldn't have not gotten this money because of what's going on. And I have it and I can expand. So it does great things and it's Liberty made this so easy to work with. So uh, I'm glad you brought it up, Carl. Now, Carl, uh, in closing, uh, is there I'd like two things? One, is there anything in particular you'd like to bring up and mention that we have not covered that's important to you? Well, I think it's important uh, right now. We don't know what the uh, we don't know how long uh, uh, the this crisis is going to endure. I think uh, it's important for people uh, to accelerate their technology um, comfortability, I, I guess I would say. I think what it's allowed people, we continue to enhance our technological tools for businesses to do really well and consumers to do really well. I think you could look to see in the next six to seven months more tools coming to um, because folks are uh, working from remotely, whether it be business owners, or I think you're going to see many, many more uh, technological um, advances from a, a banking perspective, which I think should enhance your business, all of our businesses that that we serve. And and Carl, uh, people may want to con- reach out to you, and how would they contact you uh, to discuss any of the topics you discussed today? Sure, they can uh, they can email me at my email address is c bonamico at liberty-bank.com, and that's C is in Charles, B-O-N-A-M-I-C-O. Or they can call me directly on my cell phone, which is 203-606-1778. That's, um, and I, re- I respond that from 7 to 7. And also I have an office line here at 203-949-6242. Well, um, because of time, I-, I can go on, but because of time, I got to cut you back and uh, – we got to end this uh, interview, but Carl, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you spending some time with us. Um, we learned a lot today about PPP loans, what's happening in the banking business, 
more importantly, that, that banks are making it much more easy for us to do banking, and they're making it much more, uh, much easier for business owners to do banking, which I think is great. And uh, thanks for all those people listening. Remember, this podcast is really about building and protecting your business. We like to share ideas to help business owners create more value in their business and make their life a lot easier. So thank you for tuning in and hope to that you tune in our next episode. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. Whenever you're ready to grow and protect your business while creating more balance in your life, here are three steps you can take. One, subscribe to this podcast. To request a free copy of Tom's newly published book, Unlocking Your Business DNA, email Tom at tperone at necgginc.com. And on the subject line, type DNA. Include your mailing address. And thirdly, take the one-minute scorecard and report to see how efficient you are in your business planning. Email tperone at necgginc.com and request scorecard. For additional information, click the show notes.